Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. What began back on August 26th will end 135 days later. This coming Monday, January 8th at NRG Stadium in Houston, as future Big Ten rivals, Michigan and Washington square off in college football's national championship. Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Stone. This is episode 136 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. This week's version, aptly titled, It's a One-Game Season. You know, Monday's game uh, matches a pair of undefeated 14-0 teams, uh, Michigan and Washington being those teams. And as I record... Shortly after 2 p.m. Central on Thursday, January 4th, Michigan, a consensus four and a half point favorite with a total of 55 and a half. Uh, late this morning, though, I will point out uh, Circa in downtown Las Vegas listed Michigan as only a four point favorite with a total of 56. So always shop around. I'll give a comp play uh, on the side later in the podcast, but I will offer this. You've maybe you know made up your mind as far as who you intend to bet which side in Monday's championship game. So if you're predisposed, predisposed first of all to bet Michigan, you know I would lay the four if that numbers uh, at one of your shops if that number's available to you. The number's not going to go any lower than four in my opinion. Uh, however, if you like Washington, you know, I would probably wait. Um, I, I don't see the line reaching six, uh, but projecting, you know, these line moves in this type of a standalone high volume uh, betting event, such as a national championship game, projecting these line moves could be a slippery slope. You know, you might go ahead and make half of your wager on Washington plus five and a plus four and a half rather uh, if that's going to be your preferred side and then wait around and see if five you know five and a half or perhaps even six becomes available uh, closer to game time uh, as I do on most of my uh, podcast or at least many of them I'm going to offer today just a few random thoughts and opinions first of all uh, in last week's podcast I shared a a couple of uh, personal New Year's betting resolutions, and I want to add another one uh, this week. Remember that this is a personal resolution. It may or may not apply to your personal betting uh, situation or, or style, per se. So with a slight bit of trepidation, uh, I'll offer another personal betting resolution this week. If you're a regular 
listener to this podcast, you've perhaps developed the opinion that I'm on the more conservative side as sports bettors go. I'm a fairly even better, uh, the epitome of, of what I call a grinder. You know, in the course of uh, any given year, though, you know, I would say that I might identify two or three, maybe four or five in, in a particularly deep year, a particularly fruitful year, but two or three, four or five bets each year that I believe have exceptional value. By exceptional value, I don't mean a lock. You know, a lock is what you put on your shed to make sure your drunk uncle doesn't steal your your riding lawnmower. That's what a lock is. But a bet with exceptional value, meaning a bet that I perceive to have a 60% or slightly better chance of covering. Historically, I've been quite successful in identifying these types of wagers. However, you know, I don't really think that I've pressed the issue enough. I don't think I've been aggressive enough. You know, sure, I've been a, you know, a fairly considerable amount on these type of games, but have not been uh, perhaps as aggressive as I should have been based on my historic performance on these types of bets. So if any of these opportunities present themselves in 2024, and I won't press the issue, you know, there may be four of those types of bets all year. There may be none. But if I identify this type of wager that I think projects this type of positive expectancy, I'm going to press the envelope just a little bit more. You know, nothing over the top, uh, but just attempting to uh, to optimize my historical uh, betting strengths. The reason that I present this resolution with some degree of trepidation is that many sports bettors, you know, don't need to be pushed and prodded to bet more on the game, but rather they need to develop the discipline to bet within their means uh, to avoid being controlled by the activity instead of vice versa. So again, this is one of my personal resolutions. We are all extremely unique beings, whether it be betting beings or just uh, general life beings. So uh, remember, we're indeed experiments of one and what you need to do and what I need to do may be two uh, diverse things. So I offer that to you as well. You know, I wanted to also present some information this week regarding a bet that I made on a college basketball game that was played yesterday, uh, Wednesday, January 3rd, and why, in my opinion, it was a good bet, even though it turned out to be a push. Uh, this was a game yesterday between Yale and Howard, played on Howard's home floor in Washington, D.C. Yale, I believe, opened as a five-point road favorite on the overnight line. You know, just to kind of outline my college basketball handicapping process, is part of my process, just because of the volume of games and the fact that games are played each and every day, I stay at least a day ahead of the schedule. I mean, today again is Thursday, January 4th. Uh, I've pretty well fully booked Saturday's card. I've got, you know, a number of teams listed, maybe a, 
a dozen to 15 teams that I am anticipating perhaps playing that I'm going to further study, going to be largely based on the number that comes out. But again, just to kind of emphasize the point that I stay a couple of days ahead of, uh, of schedule, ahead of the game schedule. I jot down on these games where I might like a particular side or total, I jot down my personal buy price on those teams uh, whose side that I might potentially favor, again, depending on the price. Howard, in this Yale-Howard game, was a team that I had highlighted as a potential side bet, but I listed its buy price at plus eight. So with the opener, you know, again, I think it was it was five. So with the opener still several points off that number on the overnight, you know, I kind of put Howard out of sight and out of mind. You know, it was too far away, you know, too far off. Didn't see it uh, moving that much. So I, I was focusing in on the other games that were either at or closer to my buy price. Uh, but as fate would have it, money started showing on Yale on game day. Number ultimately got to eight on uh, Wednesday afternoon. So I took a shot on Howard plus eight. The way the game transpired after leading by five at the half, Yale just started stretching that advantage uh, throughout the second half. Yale actually led by 16 points with just under uh, five minutes remaining before Howard staged a furious comeback sending the game to overtime on a dunk uh, by Bryce Harris with 15 seconds left in regulation. Yale, though, they never trailed in overtime, ultimately won the game 86-78. to So my Howard plus eight ticket turned out to be a push. Why do I regard this to be a good bet? You know, the, the main reason is discipline. I liked the Howard side, but I had a buy price of Howard plus eight. I stayed disciplined. I didn't waver and only enter the marketplace when my buy price, you know, was met. Took the eight points. I took Howard at the best price ever available on Howard in the cycle of the line. So you always want to have that. You know, you're not going to have that advantage all the time, but that's always a good advantage to have in your corner. As I often say, I can't control randomness. I can't, you know, control results, but I can control when and if I make a bet. So I think it was a good bet indeed, regardless of the fact that it was a push. And, you know, part of being a long-term winning sports better is mitigating your losses, uh, you know, having fewer losses, betting fewer games, you know, maybe paring down your list of games, betting fewer games, creating fewer losses, getting better numbers, things like that. You know the you know the drill, but uh, thought that was a good bet. I'm now going to present some uh, quick information on my service, Paul Stone Sports, uh, with college football season almost complete. Uh, we're now fully shifting our uh, focus to college basketball. Hopefully, you're already a subscriber, and if you are, uh, you know that it's been pretty good uh, to this point in the season. Through games played yesterday, Wednesday, January 3rd, Paul Stone Sports has hit 55.4% against the spread as monitored by the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City, 
My current record against the spread being 67, 54, and two pushes. My college basketball service currently available on my website for just $279. Uh, that provides you with all my premium selections in college basketball through the national championship game in early April. That's a cost of right at just $3 per day. If interested, please visit paulstonesports.org. Again, that's paulstonesports.org. As you were likely aware, uh, you know, many wannabe partiers and revelers enter the quote-unquote partying marketplace on New Year's Eve. These participants, they're not typically night owls and only occasional drinkers in many occasions or in most occasions. But on New Year's Eve, they're going to stay up until the ball drops. Some of these people, they're going to drink like a fish on this particular day, even though they're not even really regular drinkers. Some of us refer to New Year's Eve as amateur hour, an amateur day. You know, of course, personally, these days, I'm often in bed by 10 p.m. on New Year's Eve, but uh, that's beside the point. It doesn't really su- you know, support my intended point here, so uh, I will uh, not emphasize that too much. But the point is that I compare college football's national championship game from a betting standpoint to New Year's Eve from a partying standpoint. Some bettors will make their biggest bet of the year simply because of the magnitude of the game and also the fact it's the final game of the college football season, not because of any perceived value in their corner. You know, folks, there are 365 days in a year. The 2024 college football season, it begins in just eight months. It'll be here before you know it. And there's going to be some aggressive books, too. There'll be some aggressive books that are going to post lines on some of the marquee games next season within the next, you know, 45 days. So if you need to have a betting ticket stashed in your bedroom drawer, you're probably going to have that opportunity on a game of the year before the end of uh, February. So, you know, you don't have to wait very long. You know, plus, if you bet college football, you likely bet other sports. And perhaps at least one of those sports is currently in season. My ultimate point on this is if you wouldn't bet X amount of dollars on this game on October 8th, don't do it on January 8th. You know, if again, and I always present this caveat, I'm assuming that most people listening to this podcast, your goal is to be a long-term winner. You know, if, however, you know, your DNA is just a wager the same on games of chance rather than games of skill and just, you know, just be all out there, then then have at it, you know, I guess. So uh, whatever. But uh, don't don't be inclined to up the ante on this particular game just because it's the end of the season. Same goes with the Super Bowl. A lot of people make their biggest bet of the year have their biggest stake on the Super Bowl. I mean, that game has no value, no betting value. You might win some years, lose some years. You'll remember perhaps more the years you win, but there's no value hardly in betting the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, don't bet 
tons of money unless you really feel like you have an advantage in your corner. I'm going to look now at my complimentary selection in the national championship game played this Monday, January 8th in Houston. Again, Michigan, a consensus four and a half point favorite over Washington with a total of 55 and a half. And this is a game that really presents two schools that are a contrast in playing styles. I view this game as a really chain, you know, challenging, rather handicap. Uh, one would expect as far as the approach the teams will have to the game. I expect Michigan's going to churn, try to churn clock with its run game. Uh, Michigan is a very slow tempo team. Their games only averaged a total of 122 plays this season. The average in college football was right at 137 plays. So they already play really slow. But with Michael Penix Jr. and that Washington offense and the way they throw the ball down the field, I think Michigan's going to try to slow the tempo even more. You know, for most teams, uh, matching up with uh, Washington's wide receiver trio of uh, Rome Adunze, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk, uh, it's really problematic. Michigan, though, better equipped than most teams to, uh, to defense uh, that uh, particular offense and to perhaps at least somewhat limit their productivity. The Wolverines only allowing 5.8 yards per pass attempt this year. That ranks them in the top five nationally in that category. But those numbers, again, obviously not accomplished against the likes of Michael Penix Jr. and company. In Penix's last two games, I mean, if you watched his games, and they were big games, not just any game, but national championship elimination games, any way you slice it, against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas, and then this past Monday against uh, Texas, Penix in those last two games, 56 of 77, so 73% completion rate for 749 yards. That's 9.7 yards per attempt. And uh, if you guys watch these games, which I'm sure you do, He's not doing this with the dink and the dunks and these little forward pitches of about two feet that you see on the jet sweep that count as a pass completion. Washington throws the ball downfield. They have a vertical passing game. And Michael Penix has been a uh, a marksman uh, these last couple of weeks. He has been a magician. He has been a surgeon. Any way you want to describe him, he is just a a left-handed – just the accuracy, the precision, you know, the Texas game this past Monday. I'm not going to say they were blanketing. The Longhorn uh, defenders were blanketing Washington's receivers on all those throws. But on quite a few of them, they had pretty good coverage. They had decent coverage, and he was just dropping dimes. He was throwing the ball into narrow windows, just uh, extremely accurate. So he's playing in a really high level uh, at this point in the season. One concern from Washington's perspective, the availability of running back Dylan Johnson, who was hurt late in the victory over Texas, lower leg injury. Johnson rushed for 1,100 yards this past season. Yesterday, Washington's head coach, Kalen DeBoer, did say that he expected Johnson to be available for the national championship game against Michigan. I will point out, however, that college football teams do not have an injury report requirement. They also don't have any punitive component 
for coaches being, and I'm not suggesting DeBoer is dishonest. He's just working the system, in my opinion. But there's no punitive aspect if you're being disingenuous with your dissemination of information, if you will. If you're trying to kind of fool the opponent into thinking a player that may be deep in the back of your mind, you know he's probably not going to play. But you want to say he's going to play so that the other team will have to prepare with that in mind. And I think, you know, I do think Johnson will probably try to go. He's a competitor. I think mean, it's probably 70-30 that he plays. But if he does play, how effective is he going to be, one? And two, on the flip side, let's say he doesn't play or he only plays portions of the game. A lot of people are going to look, even handicappers, are going to look at that 1,100 yards rushing. And they're going to be concerned about that loss of production but the real concern from my perspective is pass protection. When a running back who has not played much, and a lot of times running backs don't play much because they can't pass protect. So if a running back hadn't played a whole lot, especially if they're a true freshman, redshirt freshman, don't have a whole lot of experience, they're not going to be accustomed to picking up blitzes, stunts, you know, who to who to pick up, who to block, where where who's coming, who's not coming when they should release into a route. Those little intricacies are developed through experience and over time. And it's going to be tough against any major college opponent. And their opponent Monday is the Michigan Wolverines, perhaps the best defense in all of college football. So it's really going to be a uh, a tall task if someone other than Johnson's in that backfield. In my uh, final summation, before giving my uh, side selection, you know, it comes down to this for me. Washington, They've now won 21 straight games dating back to the middle of the 2022 season. Kalen DeBoer, their head coach at Washington, now 10-0 versus AP top 25 teams. If you combine his stints as a head coach at Fresno State and now Washington, DeBoer 8-1 against the spread as the betting underdog. Of those eight covers, seven have been outright victories. Pretty compelling numbers there for DeBoer in the underdog role. I recommend Washington plus four and a half over Michigan. Well, guys and gals, it's been a fun college football season. It goes so very fast. Seems like opening day, week zero, Saturday, August 26th was just a few weeks ago, but now it's been uh, more than four months ago. So uh, hope you've enjoyed the season. Hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. If you're a long-term Listener, I appreciate your uh, faithfulness. If you're a new listener, I hope you'll decide to join us again soon. Hope everybody has a profitable and enjoyable national championship game this Monday. Until next time, signing off. I'm Paul Stone. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions. 